What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Okay, you know, like at camps and stuff like this, you take the ball out. You ain't getting the ball back. <laughs> like, you the last one up the court. They already did their thing. So I stopped there, and I just got into a rhythm and started hooping. The Lakers should sign Trey Young this summer. They got to kind of start preparing for, like, if LeBron's last year is this year or next year, whenever it is. And I feel like a uh, pick and roll with AD and a guy like Trey Young would be deadly. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Season five, all the smoke. We had a nice little break. Number five, this is your lucky number. Back it's going to be a big, big season for us. Thanks to you. I can smell the green. Yes, and I'm not talking about trick. <laughs> anyway, man, yeah, we have none other than our brother, T.O. Welcome to the show. What's up, bro? Good, good. What's up? Good to have you, man. Thank Country you. bar. I cut you bar. Uh, man, Hall of Famer. One of the greatest to ever do it. Play for my favorite team. Uh, that's when I fell in love with your game. Which one? Favorite Niners. Team? Okay, Niners. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Niner guy. So let's talk to us. I mean, uh, top three. 
<laughs> greatest receivers. Uh, I put you up there. I put Randy Moss up there. I put Jerry Rice up there. Where do you rank yourself amongst that mix? Uh, I've always had this question uh, and been consistent with my answer. I, I would say I'm number two. Okay. Right? Uh, when you think about, you know, the consistency in which I played the game, how I played the game, uh, I played it at every level, you know what I mean? Even on the field from the short and medium and then, you know, taking the top off um, and then just other little uh, attributes of the game. Um, when you talk about blocking, things of that nature, people think just because you're a receiver, that's all you want to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But uh, there's other things, like I said, that we, when I came out of college, those are some things like as far as the receiving part of the game, I hadn't really mastered yet. When you talk about bump and run, getting off the different coverages, reading different coverages, I hadn't really experienced it at another level. So when I went to San Francisco, obviously, like I said, Jarrett's obviously is going to be number one on my list. Um, we have a lot of similarities um, in our game when you talk about how we approach the game. But going to small schools, um, I went to UT Chattanooga. He went to uh, HBCU school in Mississippi Valley State. Um, but the coaches, like I said, being drafted to the Niners at that time, late 90s, you had the emergence of big receivers, you know, six, three and above. Um, you had your Herman Moores, your Jake Reeds, your J.J. Stokes, um, those type of guys. Uh, we kind of set a trend around that time for big receivers. And I had not possessed those physical attributes. What kind of things did you learn uh, from Jerry? Obviously, he's your number one receiver, a lot of our number one receiver. But being drafted into a situation with him there, what were some of the early things you learned? Oh, the responsibility of being a number one guy. Um, some of those things that I just mentioned, I alluded to. Um, like I said, it's not just, you know, catching the ball and making plays. Um, but obviously, like I said, understanding that position, you're able to get other teammates involved, get them open. Um, even in the running game, you can, you know, you can uh, help in that situation. Uh, and those running backs can benefit mm-hmm. from the double team coverage yeah. and things that you that you possess. So um, just to work at the end itself, I think that came with how I grew up. Uh, I was raised by my grandmama uh, and my mom. So um, other than that, like I said, just watching his approach to the game every day. And after like my 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 rookie year, into my rookie year, into my second year, my coaches, they would always pull me to the side. And they're like, yo, they saw the progression that I made from my rookie year to year three is when I made the big catch against Green Bay. They're like, man, you may have a, you know, a successful career. Just keep watching watching that guy right there. Blueprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, Randy Moss, speak to his greatness. Uh, again, to be mentioned in, in, in the midst of those guys, I mean, really says a lot about who you were as a player, but speak to his greatness as well during his run. Um, obviously, a better talent than I was coming out of coming out of college. Uh, he started right away. You know, he played at Marshall, uh, a school that, that, that we played in our division, um, in our conference when I was at UT Chattanooga. We didn't play against each other, but he played with Chad Pennington. Um, and so you think about the skill set that he possessed, dude, is, he could fly. You know what I mean? Catch the ball, you know, anywhere. His catch radius was was out of this world. And so, again, he had that talent that I wish I had coming out of college, but I had to develop into that, like, after, you know, into my year one to year three. So when you think about what he did in, in, in Minnesota, um, like I said, I mean, he was doing some spectacular things. And I think, to his credit, too, I mean, he had a lot of great quarterbacks that he yeah. played with. Uh, early on that was able to get him the ball. And like for me, that was a maturation process and the progress that I had to do and make to get to the point, to the level that he was coming straight out of college. And then I only played three years with with Steve Young, who's a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I didn't really get to really 
play with a, a stellar, like that A1 quarterback uh, throughout the, the entirety of my career. But I was able to make it work because I was able to work hard. What's life like day to day now? Uh, I mean, still in the goodest shape as you've ever been, as fast, as strong as yeah. you've ever been. We still see you on Instagram running sub four, five forties, <laughs> playing in the big three, uh, celebrity yeah, all yeah, yeah, right? What's life like now for you? Man, just uh, just trying to be active. Uh, you know, my kids are in college, uh, you're in high school. So uh, other than that, outside of, you know, being a dad and being trying to be supportive uh, of them, you know, just, you know, working on a few business endeavors, like I said, my clothing line, wine, uh, candlelight, things of that nature. And then, like I said, I do speaking engagements as well. Uh, talking about, you know, how, you know, I talk to like real estate companies, I, different companies or what have you. Um, and talking about that is just educating them on how an athlete's mindset is applicable to what they what they do on an everyday basis. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these Fortune 500 uh, companies and people that work at these companies, they want they some, they want to be athletes and they want to know how how it what it takes to be successful as an athlete. So I always talk about, you know, my path to success, which is desire, dedication, discipline. Um, like I said, even with that today, like I said, that's why I'm able to stay and look the way that I do because of the discipline part of of my career. Because I figured, okay, early on when I mentioned I wasn't as great as Randy coming out of college, I watched Jerry. I watched the things that he did. I assessed myself against my peers and the talent around me and even the league once I started playing. I'm like, man, I'm not as good as they are yet. What do I need to do to get on that level? And so, again, when I reflect back on, like I said, you mentioned my Hall of Fame. Um, again, when I got inducted, when I actually first got nominated, you know, I was kind of blown away because I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't know the magnitude of what Hall of Fame was because I didn't play the game for that. But once I sat back, I was like, man, how did I get here? In my own assessment, I'm like, okay, desire. I had the desire. I dedicated myself. I did what, you know, obviously the trainers, the coaches and things of that nature told me to do. But it's like, when you think about some of the greatest athletes that play every sport, you play, you two have played with a lot of them. What separates those? And you, that one last D is what always comes up and that's discipline. And so I applied that, like I said, with, you know, come my, my three pillars of what I call my three pillars of success. What's the clothing line? Prototype 81. Prototype 81. Yeah, the definition of prototype, and I, like I said, I mentioned my physical attributes. That that was what a lot of teams, uh, when I was being drafted, they kept saying that I fit the prototype, the prototypical type of body or what have you. And then I looked at, I looked up the word prototype, and the definition is the the definition of prototype is the basis on which something is made or formed. We're all prototypes in our own right, right? And so when I looked at, okay, yo, I was born to do this. You know what I mean? Um, I found my way and I made my made a way to become, like I said, I call myself prototype 81, but everybody has a, uh, has a, is, is a prototype. And like I said, if you figure it out, you can get to the top. When, when can we find it? I mean, when it's coming out? Oh, it's already, it's, it's already, I know. Yeah. This is after this, uh, this, I this, knew that was, I, knew that was I, I, I love me some hey, me. Yeah. I love me some me. This hoodie is, is, is part of that. It's part of, you know, my journey. You know what I mean? Those are like, like I said, growing up, I got picked on tees, this and that and the other. And sometimes I had that uh, that defense mechanism, like I said, we all go through certain things. And so growing up, as I started to play, you know, I'm like, OK, I didn't have all this this love and glory. I didn't have all the adulation people, you know, supporting me. I didn't have, you know, people talking about, OK, you're a top five. this, you're a top five that growing up in high school. I barely played college, barely played until like my sophomore, junior year. And I didn't really start to like yeah, my junior year. So these are some of the things that I uh, I started to kind of like realize about myself. 
And then, like I said, I had low self-esteem growing up because I was dark skinned, because I wasn't good enough, because I was skinny. That's part of, you know, who we all are. And at some point, we kind of find ourselves and we, you know, grow, grow with that. And so I love me some me. That's that's something that, that, uh, that I always kind of figure it out along the way. Like you got to love yourself first because they're going, you're going to have a lot of people. They love to hate you and then they hate mm-hmm. to love you. Mm-hmm. Did you have low self-esteem because of how dark you were? <laughs> <clears throat> nah, I had low self-esteem for how poor we was. Hey, that's that, 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 that too. Like I said, growing up in, uh, in a low, low, low income, uh, household, you know, like I said, I was raised by my grandmama. So like, bro, I stood in lines, the weak lines, you know what I mean? Waiting for the cheese and and those things of that things of that nature. I we still hope a hurricane a hit. That's sort of we can get the uh, Red Cross hamburgers. <laughs> Word. Hey, so you know, like I said, man, my my success. Like I said, everybody has their path, their journey. Uh, it's 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 always a different path for everybody. Yep, exactly. And so again, that's why I've always been confident. Once I started to become confident, I became even more confident, especially once I realized what I could do on the football field because it, it wasn't always there. Mm-hmm. I never ever thought I would play beyond the collegiate level. So, and I played three years of college basketball as well. So, uh, again, I never really thought that I had the ability. Obviously, got got recruited uh, to play there, but I never really thought I had the ability to play beyond UT Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. This Stephen A. situation has kind of been ruined of late. Um, I saw that you got brewer, right? I saw there's an initial situation happened back during the Kaepernick thing, and, right. and you guys got into it, and, and the world saw that. I don't know how it kind of recirculated, but it has. Uh, Stephen A. Smith went on his podcast and kind of said his reasoning and his piece behind it. Um, you're here now, and, and and we want to give you the floor to uh, say your piece. But before you say your piece, you know we got love for both y'all and show. Sure. Yeah. I want to know: is there any any light at the end of the tunnel? No, I don't. Yes. I don't think so, because he's used his platform really kind of to really tarnish, really attack well, you my are. character. You know what I mean? Oh. Who I am as a person. Okay. You know what I mean? So regardless of however he started his monologue and his thing with his his podcast, trying to build me up to break me down, we all see through that. You know what I mean? And all the people he's talking about that has reached out to them, just now and the other from GMs to players and coaches, who gives a who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. To be quite honest, because I've had I've had people. You know, that have reached out to me, players as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and some of the people that he thinks are cool with him, they're not cool with him. So before I go on my diatribe, Stephen A, can't be a soliloquy because I'm here with these guys, but I will address some of those things. The floor is yours, bro. Talk with, so, 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 I, so the initial situation to, to, to backtrack, the initial situation was during the Kaepernick situation where he was trying to come back. Uh, there was an incident where you, him, and Max were talking, right. and you said, Max acts a little blacker than you, whatever, and that kind right. of got the thing and, going. So what happened for, for, for so from there, what happened? Uh and even on even at the the, the clip, like again, you said it resurfaced. Mm-hmm. It resurfaced resurfaced because I guess he did an interview with Joe Budden and he explained why he didn't like Max or he didn't like working with Max. Okay. And so you know, obviously Max ended up getting fired, blah, 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 blah. So fans took to that interview. And they brought up, okay, well, this is why T.O. said what he uh-huh. said. Okay. Okay. So I kept getting tagged on the video okay. and my phone, like, yo, what's going on? So I saw the comments or what have you. And I just, I haven't backed down from anything. I just said facts and just left it at that. He took offense to that. Then he went on his podcast and said that I posted it, which I didn't. And even in my response to that, and I'm like, genius, I, I retweeted it. 
I didn't actually post it. I didn't go out of my way to go bring everything up. It was only a response to that interview that he did with, with uh, Joe Budden about Max that all the fans, you know, brought it up. So he took offense, you know, to that. And so that's where it all, all resurfaced. Now, he, I, I got a chance to see what he said. I went back and watched it. He said something about a lawsuit at ESPN or something. Right. So, right. So, right. So, the, I guess we, there was something going on. I guess we were talking about uh, the Kaepernick situation. And somehow there was a, a text exchange between me and him. Between you and Stephen A. Stephen A. Okay. And he, on air, he mentioned something about the text, which I didn't give him consent to do. Mm-hmm. I had you don't, but that, hold on. That's, that's one rule. Somebody takes you or any type of conversation takes you, do not share that on social media or none of that, bro. You just, especially the person don't know. Yeah, right, exactly. So I didn't take the owners, I didn't go out of my way to go file a lawsuit. I had an attorney that reached out to me, mm-hmm. like, yo, that's not right. It's copyright infringement, something along those lines. Gotcha. Oh, so someone just reached out, to, uh, an attorney came and found you about it. Yep. said, do you want to pursue yeah, action? This is yes. what happened. Like, he can't do that. So gotcha. it wasn't really him. It was, e- I, I looked at ESPN. ESPN has dogged me over the years, mischaracterized me. You have people having misunderstandings about who I am, you know, whether, whether, you know, it's, as far as my characters mm-hmm. is concerned, everybody's talking about I'm arrogant, mm-hmm. I'm selfish. Of course, I've had disagreements with some players, some coaches, but who hasn't? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, my but question, but I do not to cut you off. I don't because I don't I want you to finish. Right. I do remember he, he was one of the best. So before all this shit hit, you guys were cool then because I remember he used to stand up for you a lot. That was the one thing he used to do back in the day before the shit hit. The I fan. think everybody realized Stephen A was cool with a lot of things back in the day. Okay. But as time has surpassed. Okay. A lot of people have a different opinion about who Stephen was then and okay. who he is now. Okay. I'm one of those people. So regardless of that, me and Stephen A, we ain't buddy buddy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether he talks good or bad about me on his show, whether it's objective or subjective, that's his job. Okay. I don't. I didn't know Stephen A prior to me. I guess our initial meeting. I guarantee he knew about me because of my play before I knew about him. So we're not we're not buddy buddy. Okay. At the end of the day, and so again. Back to my point. The attorney reached out. He said, "This is what it, this is what we're going to do." He went out to ESPN. He submitted the, uh, the the file or the claim to uh, ESPN, and that's how how things uh, started. But for me, for him to say and elude or insinuate that it's a money grab or something like that, that's 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 not cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To insinuate, oh, I'm broke, this and that and the other, because these are these are certain things. Like I said, that I t- it is personal. You know what I mean? It's no, it's no secret. I had, I was represented by Drew and Jason Rosenhaus. They referred me to uh, Pro Sports Financial, who was managed, uh, who was a financial advisor, and Jeff Rubin. It's public knowledge, bro. I got taken advantage of. They stole a lot of my money. Mm-hmm. Anybody that knows me, I didn't just go blow my money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, do I have the means that I had back then? Absolutely not. But for him to go on TV and insinuate certain these things that I did X, Y, Z, and I'm desperate, that's not cool, bro. I got nobody business. I'm not, I'm not, I'm go, I'm not going to let that slide. So at the end of the day, and I told him, I called him, I told him, I said, yo, keep that same energy. You're going to call me a sorry ass and I'm pathetic, things of like that. I'm trifling. When, if I ever come across him, keep that same energy. It's not a threat, but you're not going to use that platform to downgrade me as a person and what I've accomplished for your benefit because you have a platform to do that. And then talk about and bring up all these, these 
these top name people or high qualified, I guess, in his his name to demean me. You mentioned the Donovan Menaz, the Brian Dawkins, the Primes, you know what I mean? Uh, Shannon Sharp, you know, talking about GMs and players, talking about don't go after him like that. What have I, what have I ever done? Then holding up papers in his podcast like he got something, like he got something on me. And he's going to expose me. Expose me for what? I, I urge him to. I, I give him permission to expose me because I've never done anything. You don't have anything on me. You got the world looking at me crazy like you got something on me. So if you do, please let it be known. Yeah, that, the one thing I will say about athletes is we don't really have too many skeletons. Like all Bro. our shit is front. All of our shit is front and center. So I, I, I get what you're saying with that. So. I mean, is there anything else you kind of want to, like I said, I want to make sure you get that out or, or or anything else off your chest when it comes to that? No, I mean, again, I just, I appreciate the platform because like I said, he had the opportunity to sit in front of his, in front of his audience, his mm-hmm. millions of subscribers, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, his soliloquy um, to share his thoughts with all the hearers or whatever the case may be. Um, but for me, I wanted to share that with everybody to give them some context as to what he's saying is not accurate. It's not totally true um, for him to try to build me up and then bash me and and and, and attack my character. That's that's not going to fly with me. Um, I want the same platform, like I said, to sit down and really share my story and let everybody know, like, yo, he's not who we think he is. And Stephen A, he's walking around like just because ESPN is padding his pockets with some millions. He's walking around like he's us, like he's an athlete. Like he got that kind of cachet. And then, like I said, mentioning guys that obviously I think highly of talking about Dion and Shannon and these, these guys I come across with, you know, on a regular. You know what I mean? That's not cool to be name dropping. You know what I mean? Because now I'm around these guys. and I'm like, OK, well, how do they really feel about me? You know what I mean? How do they think about me? You know what I mean? So that's 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 where I am with it. You know what I mean? So as he said in this podcast, we don't ever have to speak again. Okay. Never, ever. But make no mistake about it. I don't try to be no badass, no nothing, bro. Anybody know me? I'm easygoing. I'm cool. Mm-hmm. I've kept my nose clean because I was raised the right way, bro. Mm-hmm. Right. But you're not finna sit up here and try to bash me, attack my character in front of millions and sit on ESPN with your compadres or what have you and act like you bad and you this and that and the other. That's not going to fly with me. But like I told him, keep that same energy. And I'm like I said, I'm not condoning no violence, but you're not finna disrespect me. You know what I mean? Because when it comes to the player, that ain't got that has nothing to do with that. That has nothing to do with this. You know yeah. what I mean? It's me. For me, like I said, it's 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 personal. So at this point, like I said, at this point in time, that's 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 how I am. That's where I am with anytime as a man though, anytime as a man when you feel disrespected as far as your character or your integrity, you you should build a certain type of work. I you know what I'm saying? Any man should and you should respond. And unless you're not a man, right. you know what I'm saying? And, and, and unless you don't stand on morals or respect, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, and for me personally, any, anytime something that's talked about in private and is shared public, it's going to cause a problem. Right. Like we let, like Matt said, especially if it's not an understanding before that, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, uh, a lot, a lot of things that's that from my premiere and the way it happened, I feel like it, it could be a conversation between y'all because with the media knowing this and all this stuff being out, it's a lot of stuff that's been said that ain't true too. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And it's a lot of stuff that's been insinuated. 
Right. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody's on the outside looking in. So that's why I feel if y'all said that, you know what I'm saying? Y'all might have to get in that box for a minute. So what? Or we could just bring some weed too. You know what I'm saying? Kick back. If y'all got a box for a minute, then talk it out. That's how we used to do it in the hood. We got disagreements. We're scrapping out. You know what I'm saying? Then we going back to the stove by candy together. You know what I'm saying? That's how we grew up. As men, it's going to be different. I get that. You know what I'm saying? But for me personally, I feel like with all the other shit around and being out in social media, that's making it harder for y'all to get to understand. This right. is my personal. But thing. to your point, like I said, to add some clarity to things, like I said, and some things are misleading as if he and I and I and I went back and somebody sent me a clip of some of the things that he said. And he's like, oh, he's not a liar. He's not this. He's not that. And again, the thing is the insinuation that, you know, I'm doing stuff for money. You know, yeah. like I told you, I don't have the same amount of money because I got taken. But that ain't nobody business, T.O. But, but he that's what I'm saying. He made it everybody business. Now he got people looking at me sideways. And then even with the lawsuit thing, I showed you guys. Mm-hmm. He admittedly, in the text from my from our text exchange, he's like, "Oh, I'm mistaking your your text for a tweet." Yeah, that's what the attorney was referring to. He admitted that. Mm-hmm. I showed you guys that. Yeah. That's in our text conversation. Yeah. I ain't got no reason to lie about nothing, mm-hmm. and I ain't got nothing to hide. So for him to come out initially when he saw the whole facts thing in response to that and somehow he going to expose me, expose me for what? Right. I urge you to expose me. But at, at this end of the day, like I said, he feels the way he feels. I feel the way I feel. Like I told you, we're not buddy, buddy. I don't never have to talk to Stephen again in it in my entire life. He can sit on ESPN, do what it, use all the big words he wants to to impress everybody. That doesn't impress me. Now, like, like I said, he's used that platform to tear some black athletes down. And even I'm included that you try to build them up, tear them down with your words, this and that, and the other, your monologues. Bro, I don't I can see past all of that. But you're not going to just do it to me. A lot of guys are not going to say anything. No, I feel, I feel you. I mean, shit, he still me apologize the way he talked about me with the brawl shit. But so that's my boy, I ain't never brought it up to him, but he dogged me. But again, I just let it go because I'm, I'm live still. But. But doing <laughs> right, but again, <laughs> those things, right? But those things, like I said, <laughs> I don't feel him. Yeah, right. Him but he dunked. Right, but like I said, you know, like I said, I can look in this camera just like he looks into the camera and talk to America. And when I tell you, when I'm serious about that, keep the Stephen A. Keep that same energy, my guy. Keep that same energy. Not put that on Alazine Black, my dude. Keep that same energy that you did with your podcast. Keep the keep it the same. That's all I got to say. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? 
Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. That is so cool, Billy. He did. <laughs> Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me! <laughs> Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to get you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second-grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think before we move on, Jack, I want to commend both of us because we both tried to try to try to go the peaceful way right here. And I just can't believe it. And that shit for us to do it, it didn't work. It's crime. It's, yeah, it's, it's smoke. <laughs> I, I fuck with Steven. It's smoke, man. Yeah, no, I fuck with both of you guys. So I, gave, I gave my disclaimer before this shit. And we both tried to tell us peace. Yeah. We both did. They ain't never seen us come in peace. Like, oh. Hey, but hey. It's all good. Y'all handle your business, man. I, I hope it. Hope it works itself out. Yeah, man, just keep what's private, you know. Yeah. Pop social media. 
Let's talk about your upbringing, bro, because, you know, we, you know, we wanted you to, we wanted to have you on this show. Definitely talk about that. About you and your greatness. Because yeah. you our boy, you know what I'm saying? With something on your mind, this is a platform for people that we rock with, especially to come say what they need to say. So we want to get that out first because we yeah. fuck with you like family. No, and that's you know why I wanted to do it with you yeah. guys because I'm not going to go to another network and have them chop my stuff yeah. up and edit it. I want them to see me because over the years, like I said, ESPN, they, bro, they, they did me wrong. Mm -hmm. Anything that happened during the course of my career, I did an hour and a half, two hour interviews, but they only showed like maybe five or 10 minutes of the clip. To control the narrative. Right. So that's why everybody thinks that I'm this person. That's why he can go on his podcast and compound some of those things and bring some of those things up as if I'm that person. Bro, I know what he's doing. That's not, bro, that's not cool. But he wonders why, you know, people, why I said what I said. I said it tongue in cheek, but there's always a little truth to it. That's why I said that Maxine's black. I said what people are thinking. But now, like I said, I never back down from it. You know what I mean? I'm going to be a man of my word and, and stand on it, stand on what I say. But it is what it is at this point. And then, but obviously you're talking about some of the things that I'm doing now, uh, getting ready to do a documentary um, to, you know, I'll say we're going to allude to some of it. We're not going to reveal everything, but uh, mm. yeah, some of how I grew up, some of the things that are going on, even just, you know, some of the things, like I said, me losing millions of dollars, you know, through, you know, through the recommendation of my, my agents at the time, Drew, Drew and Jason Rosenhaus. You know what I mean? Um, financially, like I said. They was in on uh, yeah. So again, those are things that people don't know. But again, for Stephen A to use this platform to insinuate that I'm desperate, and those are the things, those are the, that's the word that he used. And when I asked him about it, he goes, I didn't tell I didn't say you were desperate. I'm like, yes, you did. It's in your tweet. You said I was desperate. Then he went and back double down on that with his podcast and say that I was doing this stuff for money. Granted, I ain't it ain't no secret. I don't have as much money as I used to. But I'm alive. I'm blessed. I'm a good. I'm a Hall of Famer. I, I ain't worried about nothing. I'm good. I ain't asked him for nothing. So why he worried about what's in my pockets? Let's talk about your upbringing, though. We we got similar upbringings. You was raised by your mom and grandmother. I was too. Yep. Uh, my mom would work six in the morning. I mean, six in the evening to six in the morning. My whole life, so I barely seen her. So I basically stayed with my grandmother. Um, talk about having that, having that um, really as a, as a blessing to be raised by two strong women. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people talk, oh, you was raised by your mama, but look at me now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So talk about uh, being raised by your, your grandmother and your mom in, in Alabama. Oh, man, it's uh, like, you know. Alexandria. Yeah, Alexandria. Alexander City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alexander City. Uh, you know, like I said, I've said it a, not, a number of times, like I said, being raised by Two women probably, like I said, probably maybe may have been the best thing for me because um, it shaped me to be who I am. Um, you know, un unapologetic, you know, in certain certain areas certain, about certain things. My grandmama grew up in that segregation era where, you know, she grew up where it was racism to the fullest. Um, growing up, I used to hear her talk to her friends about certain things that she had to do, grew up doing, what they couldn't do. Um, I couldn't imagine it and didn't really understand it at that time. But as we, as I grew up and as we know what has happened over the years, you know, especially with the George Floyd situation, things being brought to light because now they actually see it. Now I know a lot of what she used to go through and what she used to talk about and what we as black people have been talking about uh, a number of times. Even when I went through, uh, got drafted by, by the Niners, 
uh, dealing with uh, Coach Mariucci. Um, there were some things, there was some tension there. I didn't really think about it too much. I, I felt it. I saw it, but I never said anything. Um, when you talk about systemic racism, it was there, but I didn't let it, I didn't let it deter me or distract from what I, what I had to do in the football field. Um, because like I said, there were some things after my third year, you had Skip Bayless to follow. He was a journalist or a beat writer or something in San Francisco. He would follow my career. He fell in love with me. Then he fell out of love. Then I became somewhat of a villain. He started to do his show. Now I had a target on my back. Now everybody thought I was this way when I actually wasn't a certain way. But again, like I said, the things that I've done, I've accomplished, the way that I've carried myself, um, you know what it's like to carry your name. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I tried to rep represent myself and my family. And I feel like I've done that to, 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 to the fullest because like I said I know right from wrong. You know, and as we grow up, if you don't know right from wrong, you'll understand with trials and tribulations and the lessons that you learn. I've never claimed to be perfect. I've made some mistakes along uh, the way and I've made some poor choices along the way that make that's what makes us who we are and makes us mean. Um, so, again, those are some of the things, like I said, that I took from uh, from my grandmama. My mom, like I said, she had me at like 16 or 17. Um, so she was working uh, a number of jobs as well. Uh, she was a seamstress growing up. She made clothes for everybody in the neighborhood or, 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 or like just to make ends meet. You know what I mean? I didn't have the, I didn't, I didn't have the name brand things that, that uh, a lot of the rich white kids were wearing. I saw that, you know, I was wearing, wearing Wranglers, you know what I mean? Or had shoes that were called pie crust because they didn't have no grip, you know what I mean? Uh, those are some of the things, like I said, I grew up um, and, and, and feeling less than because I didn't have the better of, of, of everything. And so my mom, like I said, she, she, she made, she made sure we look good and we were dressed no matter what. So that's how even like we use some of the fashion stuff that I try to get into, even some of the things that I was able to accomplish and still doing now, she lived vicariously through me because it was cut short because she had kids at a young age. She couldn't do those things. So when you think about fashion, you know, home decor, things that um, my mom wanted to do all those things. They, and the thing about it, we went, we 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 went without, but they replaced it with love. Oh, no you doubt. Saying that oh, got yeah. us through. Okay. Um, I, like I said, our lives are so similar. My dad stayed around the corner from me, and uh, my whole life, and I didn't we I didn't actually meet him and have a relationship with him until I was about twelve, thirteen. Oh, I, I went to him to live with him because like my older brother was there. My older brother was selling drugs, so I wanted to be in the dope game. So that's why I moved over there. Your dad stayed right across the street. Yeah, I had no idea. You know, obviously the neighborhood, you got, you know, girls, guys, girls, boys in the neighborhood. I, as a preteen, you know what I mean? Teen, 11, 12, you know what I mean? You start to see girls that obviously you're like, oh. so I started liking one of my sisters and it got to the point like, okay, it got back to my dad. And so he had that conversation like, oh, you can't. So wait, you didn't know that was your sister? No, I didn't know. Yeah, we were just all in the neighborhood. So playing. Like so Pops was across the street that you didn't. You yeah, didn't I had no idea. He had kids. Other yeah, kids. he had four kids at the oh, time. Okay. Yeah, four knocking kids. down the old neighborhood, huh? <laughs> I don't know about knocking down the neighborhood. <laughs> I saw uh, Yeah, but they will probably agree now that he was a rolling stone. <laughs> uh, at that time, unbeknownst to me, I had no no idea about okay. his lifestyle, no nothing. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Uh, but again, he had four girls. Uh, we all used to play muff and all types of stuff uh, uh, in the neighborhood, hide and seek, mm -hmm. things of that nature. And uh, yeah, so I started having some feelings, you know, uh, with one of, the, one of the girls and it was Lisa. So and they got back to my dad because everybody's like, oh, Terrell likes Lisa, Terrell likes Lisa. So it got back to him and he had that conversation with, yo, you can't like Lisa. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Why? Lisa's your sister. 
So that was kind of like how I found out, you know, who my dad was. So did you have like, he spoke to you, but you just like growing up? Well, yeah. Uh, so again, like I said, my dad, he, he, like I said, understanding now, you know, his lifestyle, he got around a bit. So he, right. he was, he was talented, played sports, left-handed, you know, nice at pool, all those things that I found out later on. Like I said, like I said, I did a show on, um, on network with Iyala Benzat. Uh, where we did the show Fix My Life. And that was the first time I uh, the first time I ever saw my dad and my mom by next to each other for more than two or three minutes. Because as I was growing up, I saw him around the town, you know what I mean? The softball games and this and that and the other. Uh, we had the rec center where everybody congregated to do certain things. Uh, I, I would run into him or what have you. That's when I saw, saw him or what have you. And if my mom was with me, I didn't even really know what was going on. It was, I just thought it was just a friend, you know what I mean? It was high and by, you know what I mean? But that was pretty much the extent of it. So, you know, like I said, long story short, at the end of the day, uh, like I said, even after the show, as I've grown, and like I said, he never came to any high school, college, and maybe to maybe a few pro game at that. But I commend to him that he never really reached out to me. It wasn't like, he saw that I became a professional athlete. He knew I had money and he tried it. He never tried to do any of that. Um, so I commend him on that. But as far as our relationship, it's cordial. You know what I mean? Uh, is it like what I wish I could have had? No. But what I didn't have with my father, I've tried to do that with my own kids, yeah. even though we're, we've been in separate households. And I've, and I've talked to my kids about that. Um, even with them, I tried to, you know, make sure I don't use the word mistake and explaining certain things because you never know how a kid may interpret that. So I always say, dad made some poor choices, especially when my son got old enough that he realized, okay, he had other siblings, you know? So uh, those are some of the things, like I said, I've taken from, you know, uh, how I grew up, the relationship with him and how I've, you know, tried to move forward. To make you a better man. Yeah. 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 When did football come into play? Um, I played football in like junior high, high school, but I was just on the team stack. I wasn't- You wasn't that? Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't nothing to be talked about. You know what I mean? Uh, when I went to, you know, obviously junior high, played JV, played tight end on JV. And then obviously moving, transitioning from JV to high school, high school ball, varsity. Um, I still didn't really play a lot. Um, I had two guys that were starting in front of me, like my junior, senior year. They liked that. Yeah, they were better than I was. Yeah. And that's the way I've always been a realist about yeah. my skill set, my talent. You know, and I was like, said, like I said, I got a story to tell. That's why I'm doing that documentary. Um, and so I wasn't that I wasn't that guy. I witnessed, I saw the talented guys around me. You know, you've seen those guys, like I said, you talk about the LeBrons that come out straight out of high school. Mm-hmm. And you saw the natural talent in some of those guys. I was around those guys and literally I'm like, man, these guys are good. You know what I mean? They were like, I, I would say if you had the character, they would, they would be four or five star athletes. I was never that. Uh, what people saw. Uh, in my professional career, they would have thought that I was that in high school. I was that in college. But again, it, it's it, I always go back to my three pillars of success and how I you know, how I got to be a Hall of Famer is that desire because I had a desire to play any sport. You know what I mean? Uh, I played baseball. I ran track, and those those sports when I didn't play baseball, I ran track. When I ran track, I played baseball, and I played and I played basketball as well. So. Those are some of the things, like I said, that that I did as an athlete. But I was just on the team. I wasn't. I wasn't a top guy. Yeah, I wasn't that star athlete. 
uh, end up going to uh, UT Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the heels of a guy that was being recruited, recruited from a high school, Derek Hall. So they came they, to see him? They came to see him, you. looked at the film. This is when we had the reels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they was in there watching film on him. And at that time, like junior, senior, I started, I, I, I played sparingly. So they saw me, you know, make a few plays here and there. You know I mean? Long strider, head height. Uh, the physical attributes, you know, the prototypical type of body, you know, for a receiver. By your yeah. senior year, were you as big as you were? No, I was oh, okay. six one, maybe 185 pounds okay. when I kept, when I left high school. Mm-hmm. And then when I left college, I was maybe probably like 205. So what was the recruiting process like? Was that the only team that had interest in you as far as the college? Yeah, I didn't really. Yeah, I, uh, there was a couple of schools, Division two schools that recruited me for basketball. Uh, I remember that. But then, like I said, uh, some of the offers, like a couple of offers that I had, um, they weren't really at big schools. So I just went with, like I said, I just followed Derek. You know what I mean? They were recruiting him. And again, I didn't, it was U- UT Chattanooga. Like I said, I didn't really follow a lot of football and stuff growing up because my grandma didn't really let me do a whole lot of anything. Didn't let him watch a much, much TV or anything. Even like I said, we talked about my dad lived across the street. I was going over there watching TV. You know what I mean? They didn't know what's your problem. Yeah. And so um, she didn't let us do a whole lot of uh, TV watching or things of that nature. We had the mm-hmm. basic show, the Bill Cosby show. I watched Wheel of Fortune. Why is this the hood? They make you turn the TV off like they ain't still paying cable. <laughs> like they feel like they get charged extra because it's old. Yeah. Turn the TV off. Yeah. Yeah. Running my bill up. My yeah. dad used to didn't let us play the Nintendo on the TV because he said it would fuck the color up. Stop, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. So yeah, so that's how. Hey, man, I remember. Hey, that's how. That's 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 how it was, man. So like I said, I was like I said, I made myself into who I am. You know what I mean? As far as an athlete, but as I got older, I was when I got drafted, I was just receptive to the coaches that saw something in me that I really didn't see in myself. Real. You know what I mean? And and I just I just kind of just kind of step yeah built yeah. like it steps back in the chip man. We're speaking on college right now. Someone who's captivated shit the country for sure and beyond possibly <laughs> uh, our brother Prime out there in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone you're close with yep. um, from the Jackson State opera. I mean from playing days, but then you know you support the Jackson State movement. You've been out to Colorado and felt the energy out there. Uh, in your opinion, what do you feel like he's doing and and bringing to the game right now? A lot of eyeballs, you know what I mean? Or a different way, a different way of doing things. And I think what he did at JSU, Jackson State, uh, kind of set the blueprint, really for some guys to kind of go do what he did there. He had kind of reached his max. Like, what else can he do there? Right. You know what I mean? He won championships, championships. You know what I mean? What else can he do there? Mm-hmm. You got to elevate. You got to grow. Mm-hmm. So his next step, okay, let's go to let me let me take this to one of the PWUs. You know what I mean? And and that's what he's done. Um, and I think it can't, I mean, what he's wanting to do is open the door for a lot of other brothers out there, black coaches. It can be imitated, but it can't do be do yeah, it. It ain't gonna be the same. That swag got a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah. It that's Dion being Dion. It, it ain't gonna yeah. be the same, but he's setting and laying down the blueprint of done. it can be done. In your own way. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, again, I think now, like I said, what he's doing there at Colorado um, in a couple of years, if he stays there, Colorado's going to be Alabama. All he needs, like I said, and I've heard some of it and I've seen some of the interviews, he's probably like seven to eight players away 
big boys from, from, from bad from being dominant. Yeah. That's 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 all he needs. Because that's where the game is kind of won and lost. He has the skill positions. Uh he has those sold up tight. You know, they sewn up. So front yeah. five on both sides, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. You gotta have uh those guys up there to obviously run the ball. You gotta have a somewhat of a balanced attack, but you take what they give you. And then mm-hmm. nobody's stopping you from the air, from from a passing standpoint, you pass until they stop it. Yeah. But again, that's why the rushing game has been has hasn't been as what it what he would like, you know, I mean, what it needs to be because yeah, yeah, because he got to go in between the tackles, get outside of it, and he got some guys to do it. But again, it's going to take time, and every game is going to be different, you know. What I mean, yeah, he, he has those kids leaving, yeah, yeah. But he, let me tell you something, Dion, what he's done, he can go talk to some penguins for about a week, and he'll make them think they can fly. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to tell you, that's how much. He got those guys, those kids believe. Me. I don't even look at it as coaching. Obviously, he's coaching, but to me, he's being a leader. Yeah. Just for what you said, he had. Yeah. It, it's hard for this era. Every every generation is different. To be able to, how do you get the attention of these young kids and make them believe and buy in? And to me, that's more about being a leader than actually right. coaching. I feel like he's being a leader of these young men, and like you said, these dudes will do anything for him. Oh yeah, absolutely anything. Yeah, because he, he understands he's been there. Dion is from Fort Myers. He hasn't always had the best of everything either. You know what I mean? He's gone from rags to riches. You know what I mean? He's gone through, and whatever scenario these kids think they're going through, that they think we as uh, athletes or coaches haven't gone through, we've been through that. If not, we know somebody that has. So he can relate to those guys. And again, like I said, the approach and how he approached going into that, getting rid of a number of players. A lot of people, white America, didn't like that. They criticized him for that. But how can you criticize a man for what he's trying to do with his own team? You know what I mean? He's bringing in his players. It's no different than coaches that get fired or in hired. They come in, they bring in, they bring in their coaches. It's the same thing. But why does white America feel like he's done something different or he's doing something wrong? Because he's confident and standing on his shit, backing it up. Well, that was what, what you just said is what this white guy said on this guy named Tyreek. That's the show. And it was a white guy. He said he loves the uh, but he's like, he just offended. He's like, why are you offended? He's like, be honest, why are you offended? Why you say, because we can't do it that confident. <laughs> that's not, that's he not out there. Yeah, he did. I was like, thank you for being honest. Like, I love Dion, but I had to say that. And that's why we offended because we can't do it that confident. That's not, that cool. that's a personal problem. <laughs> you can't, you can't fault us for, for how we do what we do. Yeah, that part. But again, a lot of people think that way that really we talk to on an everyday basis. They may not say it, but they're in our faces, smiling behind our faces and talking behind our back. Those are the type of things that we as black, you know, athletes and people we go through. Got to deal with You said you're out there working on some of the receivers as well? Yeah, he brought me in. Like I said, he got a big receiver, uh, Javon Antonio, that he wanted me to kind of help, you know, help him along the way, kind of groom him a little bit. He's rough around the edges. And then, like I said, I worked with Travis. I worked with uh, Weaver. Horn. I worked, worked with all those guys. And a lot of the guys, like I said, that while I was there, they ask me questions, you know what I mean? Talk about Travis as a receiver. Oh, man. Let me know what he do on the other side of the ball. Ball skills is crazy. It, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's freakish. Yeah. Is how I can explain it. Yeah. You know, like I said, there are some things that need to, he's probably at the next level. He's going to have to fine tune. Um, but when you think about what he's doing as high school, like a high school, like he's nice the second year in the league. And you see the highlights of what he was doing. Bro, I saw his high school highlights. I was like, bro, it's it's crazy. It's off the charts. 
So just think like, and he has that that mindset of wanting to get better, like said. And then, you know, guys that, you know, from speaking from a basketball standpoint, you know, guys that have freakish athletic ability to go from from college to the pros and they don't enhance their abilities. They don't work to get better. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're stacked. They, they, get, they get the money yeah. and they're cool with it. They sign up for you. Say they sign up for your deal. The first three or four years, they cool. Contract year come up, they go get in the lab. lab. It's too late. Yeah. No, but some of them, they're going to get in the lab, get their game right. Oh, okay, this is the guy we drafted. Then they get paid again. Then they fall off. But again, Travis is not, he's not going to be one of those guys. He's hungry. He wants to, he wants to get, you know, maximize the exposure that Dion is providing for him. And he's learning from Dion too as well. Dion is just not coaching. He's teaching these kids about life every, every day. I can tell you, what, what was smart, it, like, you see nobody, he ain't go talk to nobody. He went right on this little show. Because everybody was wondering how he was doing and what happened. Right. And how he feel. He went right on his lip. That's right. In their room with his pajamas on. Right. So nobody ever twist, twist his words. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the thing, like I said, even when I was playing, dude, like I wish we had, when we when, when I was playing, I wish I had those type of platforms to right. dispel some oh, of the man. things that was going on. Yeah, that's too- I was kind of like before my time in the sense. Like I said, everybody was like, oh, I'm outspoken. <laughs> they They thought, Outspoken was something wrong. Man, right. You know what I mean? Like, bro, like that's You're me being right. Yeah, that yeah, was me being honest. You know what I mean? And like I said, those are some of the things. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> that was just me being honest. So it's yeah. like I don't like. Like I said, even with Stephen A. with some of his stuff, like he tried to use all of that to bring his audience in to talk about me and further attack my character. You know what I mean? But I, I I like what Travis did. Like, yo, let me address let me what it is. Yeah. And he, I liked his approach to it. Hey, it's football. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, yeah, nobody wants to get hurt, but we know that was an illegal hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, yeah. We knew it was a a cheap shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want Shador to me. Oh. I think there was a huge question mark coming on, can he do it on this level? And I think the composure he showed that last was a 98-yard drive. Yeah, 96-yard drive. Descended in overtime. Overtime, yeah. Eight point. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, I mean, he makes every throw, runs when he needs to. Right. He, he tries to sit in the pocket as much as he can. Right. Plays half and he took. Toughest motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, that would, yeah. that, 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 the, the play with the dude got kicked out, he could have really hurt him. Where he locked his arm. Yeah, up. like he, he yeah. And snapped his jaw though. Yeah. Snapped him in the yeah. But that shows you the poise, the right. character of his team. Right. Um, again, to... Number eight, Kamaro's uh, credit. I didn't know who he was from Colorado State. He was a blessing and a curse for their team oh, yeah. because he wrecked havoc the first half. Whole game. And he, but the thing is, no discipline, no yeah. poise. He caused he caused them the game too. We got back two, back. Middle, yeah, back two back. He got a face mask, and then he got the personal foul yeah. driving. He should have the game twice. With me, yeah, exactly. They came put a back. brace on another one. He yeah, came back right. But hey, Lons, he's yeah. a dog. Like I said, I didn't Lons. know who Kamara was for, yeah. for CSU, but I do now. Yeah. But again, that just shows you, like I said, you know, that's that's one of the things that 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 one of the mantras for for DLS team was like being smart, being tough. You know what I mean? Well, those totally care about the game. question. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but Shador, your point, Shador, he's he's he should have an L and a D on this thing. I know he just got the L, but he's a leader and a dog. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like I said, I wish I I, I wish I could have played for a coach like like yeah, Dean. Right. You know what I mean? I would have had a D O I. Yeah, as a peer, yeah. and I would see how you not want your kids to go right exactly to the system, and you see that they broke a streaming record. They're 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 sold out games. Oh, national. Yeah. I tweeted. I was like, 
Dion's got us watching Colorado, Colorado State right now. At what? two in the morning. What? Yeah. It's two in the morning. Yo. <laughs> I said Dion. I kept smoking to stay up. I just if I would have stopped, if I could stop moving, I would have been out. I'm I'm driving through a high-end area of California. I gotta see a lady walking her dog. She got on a prime hoodie. Yeah. I'm like, what? I took a picture and I showed it to her. I was like, yo, this is crazy. When you talk about the prime effect, that's the prime effect. You got unlike uncharacteristically, you know, people wearing wearing your stuff because of what you're doing. That's the only person I ever heard just basically blatantly say that they they OP don't succeed. So one person out of all of them, a lot of them think it. Mad dogs. Oh, all yeah. you want said it. But again, I'm not surprised. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But again, he, he a lot of them, a lot of them feel cloth. that way. A lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, I don't feel that whatever way. Whatever cloth that is, he's cut from that bullshit. <laughs> right. You <laughs> so, already know what it is. Yeah. But again, a lot of them feel that way. Just won't say it. They ain't gonna, they're not going to yeah. say it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, third round. Again, you said you weren't someone who watched a ton of sports mm-hmm. to land in a situation as, as historical as the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, to play with the greatest receiver of all time. And, and Steve Young was one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I mean, when you first got there, what was the situation like? How was it? Oh, uh, man, it was tough. It was over, overwhelming because, like I said, I came from a small school. We didn't have a lot of plays. You know what I mean? Uh, we had like a little binder, you know what I mean? But I <laughs> plays for, 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 for the year, things of that nature, and game by game. But when I went to the Niners going to training camp, bro, we had like a pamphlet. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a pamphlet. Not a pamphlet. Man, it was like a book. It was like a book. <laughs> like, a yeah, bro. That's Yeah, a dictionary. That's, that's what it looked like, man. And so I literally had to process, you know, yeah. really just trying so, to learn the position, learn to be a receiver because I wasn't playing at a small school. You don't play the power five school. You don't play that tough, stiff competition. I didn't play against a lot of DBs that came up and pressed because my ability, it wasn't like, it, right. It wasn't like that to even do that. So these are things that I had to learn early on in, in, in training camp, as well as becoming knowledgeable about the playbook. And then my coaches, I had my first two years, my, well, my first year I had two, well, my first eight years with San Francisco, I had two black coaches, Larry Kirksey, who coached the Jerry Rice and uh, the John Taylors and that, and the Sherrard's and Nate Sinewood, and he coached them. And then he ended up coaching me as well. And J.J. Stokes, J.J. Stokes was li- really drafted. Yep. 95. They drafted him to be what I did. Replace Jerry. Mm-hmm. You know, what they thought. You know, following, following mm-hmm. over Jerry. And so I just had to learn everything, bro. I was I was raw. I was green. That's that's the only way, uh, the way to put it. You know what I mean? But I worked to try to figure it out. You know what I mean? I knew that I was I, I wasn't where I wanted to be, where I needed to be. Those first three years or so, it clicked probably like after my third year, uh, going into my fourth year in the league. Um, but when I saw like, go, we have one on ones. You know what I mean? Um, you know, there's a period. Yeah, one on ones. You go against the DBs and whatever. So. Obviously, I would go against the, the regular DBs, but when I saw some of the safeties wanting to get in on some of the action, to play me one on one, like bro, I knew that I wasn't that guy. They thought it was funny because we we they gonna watch film just like we gonna watch film after practice of the one on ones. I was getting hemmed up left and right. Tyrone Drafick, Drakeford, Pope, all those guys, Steve Israel, all these guys. Like I said, and then Tim McDonald, Merton Hanks, the safeties started coming out to check me one-on-one. I'm like, yo, this is disrespectful. And we got in the film, and I, it was it was tough for me. It was tough film to watch. And I saw, like, man, coach would watch. You know, it got to a point, like, a couple of days of it. 
he would just go right by me because I wasn't doing anything. So for me, it was embarrassing because I'm watching Jerry run his routes, you know, Mike Harris run his routes, JJ, I mean, smooth, transition in and out. I'm just getting ham, hemmed up. It was a struggle. Not every time, but it was a struggle. So that's where I'm like, okay, let me see how I can get better. Work. I started working with a martial arts guy, George Chung, every day after practice with the hands. Then I started doing the footwork. Then I started looking at other receivers. I started looking at slot guys. I started realizing like, man, the guys that are being drafted free agents that are coming in on our team is a reason why they're here. If they're not playing outside, they're playing inside for a reason. I'm like, yo, I want to be like Jerry, but I want to be more than Jerry because I had the physical side. I had something that he really didn't have, yeah. and that was size. And I'm like, man, if I can incorporate his feet, how he, his escapability, how he transitioned in and out of his route, if I can do that, add that to my game, bro, it could be a, it could be a game changer. But it wasn't until my de- my, one day my coach pulled me to the side, and this is a sign of a good coach. He saw I was struggling. You know, he wasn't going to dog me with it. He pulled me to the side. He said, yo, don't you like basketball? He knew I love basketball. Out of my eight, my, my years in, in playing football, I never trained football stuff ever. In the offseason? One time. Mm-hmm. was when I, when I got uh, traded to, went to uh, the, 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 the Eagles, and he wanted Donovan Waters to come to Arizona to work out. So That's all I did was hoop. So my coach knew that about me. He knew I played in college. He was like, yo, don't you like basketball? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, look, he said, you're struggling. He said, when you're when a defense, the, the D-back, a cornerback is in front of you, he said, all it is is one-on-one. It's like you're playing basketball and you're trying to get by that, that defender to get to the hoop. Stack. Man. It clicks. Boy, if this was a cartoon, it would be a Mm-hmm. white bulb to go up on top of my at head. At first, there was just bricks up there. Yeah. Now there's something else. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Facts. And bro, once he told me that, yeah. it clicked for me. So, I'm like, man, all I need, I just need to get them out of the box. You know what I mean? Go one way, they go and you go the other way. But then, like I said, you can't hang your hat on that because now you got to elevate your game. Like, it, yeah, the good defender, they may stop that. You got to have a plan B. They just, they start playing B. You got to go to plan C. That's all got to happen within four seconds. You know what I mean? So I had to eventually progressively get better with that every day. And I started doing that after practice every day, started catching ball, more balls every day because like I was raw, I was green. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I wasn't a top pick. I didn't come in like I alluded to earlier with Randy straight out of college, right into the line. Right. He was that guy. I wasn't him. This was Cam and Mace. We would have gave him about three or four pauses. Twenty and twenty. Oh man, I know no, that man. Go ahead, pause, pause. Yeah, for sure. If they would have gave me a book like that when I got there, I would have gave it back to him. Like, but this is why I'm playing sports. So I don't have to read. Nigga, what you? This is gonna make sense, right? Yeah, I'm playing sports. So I don't have to read this right. shit. Steve Young. Mm-hmm. What was one of my favorite quarterbacks? Again, you played for my favorite team. Uh, what was his, what was he like? I mean, he was someone who was crazy journey to get to where he was at to become one of the greatest ever. Um, what was he like as a person? Uh, he was, I mean, he was a good person. You know what I mean? Uh, obviously, like I said, going there, um, playing on a team really kind of full of stars. They had won a championship uh, a couple of years prior. I think 94 was the last championship they had. And so me and just they come from Chattanooga, small school, small town. Playing with you know some of uh, some some of the the very people that won championships and made San Francisco the franchise that it has, 
uh, it was, um, it was, it was, like I said, it was a learning thing. Cause like I said, I never had been thrown a football with, the, you know, uh, from a left-hander. Oh, so yeah. those are things that I had to get adjusted to as well. You know, catching from really that right-hander cause the ball spins different. Hits, hit the hand differently. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, even like I said, early on, like I said, I wasn't really working with the, the ones a lot. Jerry and all those guys, the guys that was playing, they they were working the refs with Steve. And then once I started kind of, you know, work my way to to where I would be on the field with him, I could tell like the, the ball spun a little different. Um, I had to get used to it coming to me, uh, approaching me a little different. Um, but when you think about him, I wish I could have had him for really a majority of my career. Out of the eight years of San Francisco, right. I only had him for three years. So yeah, you kind of found yourself. So yeah, when I didn't, yeah, yeah. like when I really was trying to find yeah. myself, yeah, he was gone. He was gone. So Garcia was next. <laughs> Garcia, we had bro, we had Garcia, Tim Rattay, Giovanni Car- Camarzi, uh, Elvis Gerbach was there. We drafted <clears throat> no consistency. Yeah, we had uh, we drafted uh, Jim Druckenmiller, played with a number of quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Uh, throughout that, throughout my years in San Francisco. But that's why I rank myself where I do, because if I would have had a solid, legitimate quarterback for like the tenure or throughout the tenure of my career, at least eight to 10 of those years, mm-hmm. bro, there's no telling what I would have done. Mm-hmm. But I adjusted my game to every quarterback and people don't give me the credit that I do, that I need, because I was aware that I needed to change my game and offense has changed, changed our offense based on the quarterback. But for me, I saw the limitations with some of our quarterbacks, uh, like a Jeff Garcia, because he wasn't a stand-in-the-pocket passer. He wasn't the strong-arm guy like Steve Um that could throw the ball 67 yards down the field. That's why nobody really knew about my speed till I got to, uh, till I got to feel it. They saw glimpses of what I could do because the West Coast offense is predicated on precision and timing, slants, short, underneath, intermediate, then take it to the take it the distance. They saw that. But then they really saw me take really do what Randy was doing. They didn't see that till I got to uh till I got to Philly. And that's where I had to adjust my game, really kind of with every quarterback that I played. And then with the West Coast offense, they call something a, sh- a scramble drill. You know what I mean? When plays break down, where you are in relationship to the quarterback, you know, I call it MYA, make yourself available. You find where the quarterback is, you get into his vision, because if they're under duress, they're trying to get that ball out of out of their hands. And so for me, when I understood what I could do once I got the ball in my hand, I made sure <laughs> I, they saw he saw 81. And when I got my hands on the ball, I did what I did. And like I said, I progressively got better as a receiver, you know, throughout my, you know, throughout the course of the, my, my years in San Francisco. But I wish I could have played. I mean, you think about Jerry. Jerry had no drop off in really caliber of quarterbacks. He went from Montana, a Hall of Famer, to another Hall of Famer. And Steve Young, and just think about the number of yards and the touchdowns and the things that he amassed playing with those two quarterbacks back to back. I didn't have that, but I accumulated a lot of things because I realized and I started my coaches helped push me to believe and see what I could be. And here I am, Hall of Famer today, you know, because of that. And I honestly, like I, I give a lot of credit to those coaches, even from San Fran, from Larry Kersey, George Stewart. Went to Philly, David Cully, and my other black um, um, receiver coach Ray Sherman. When I was in um, when I was in Dallas, those guys, like I said, even some of the things, yeah, and even 
every team that I played on, every team that I played on, bro, I balled out. You know what I mean? And I attribute, like I said, the lack of a father in my household. They were like my dads, you know what I mean? They pulled me. When, I, when all the things that were going on, when ESPN was bashing me about things, when you had former players that were going in the booth, you know, commentating, saying and compounding things that they thought and they heard about me, about who I was as a person, as a player. My coaches pulled me in the, we had those private conversations and they told me, bro, you're not doing nothing wrong. Just because I was outspoken, because I was honest. That's how I was raised. Where your emotions on your sleeve. Yeah, but that's how I was raised, bro. What's wrong with that? Now those things that was I was heavily criticized for, vilified for. It's the norm. It's being embraced now. Yeah. Even with the touchdown celebration, bro. Yeah. All the things, everything that, that everybody really attacked my character. We're going to get, get to your antics because you definitely have some antics. <laughs> hey, I was, yeah. I was creative. I was creative, my guy. Absolutely. Creator. Absolutely. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the exactly. olympics he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that ladies and gentlemen please welcome sam cassell to point game i remember you came out from crying tears <laughs> crying. They, i mean he was in a culture shock and then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning remember what yeah. i told you i said i said oh you think i can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Parents, ready to discover a new educational and interactive podcast for kids? Join Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids, where episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We learned how to recycle at the beach. That was great fun. Callie, what do you say? It was. And that time when we did the science experiment and Billy made raisins dance. so cool, Billy. He did. (laughs) Not to mention when a certain Elliot took up swimming classes with Lisa. That was me. (laughs) Bet you can't catch me. I'm going to catch you. All this fun and more in our Stories for Kids. Lingo Kids Stories for Kids is now available on StoryButton, the kid-friendly device for screenless podcast listening. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, You join the Eagles. You guys end up hitting the Super Bowl in 05. You're coming off a broken leg. I remember you come back and play this game and you nine catches, 122 yards. Mm-hmm. I mean, what was your mental that day? How you felt after? Uh, I felt fine after. Honestly, like I said, like I know I was scared for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Running around some room, like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. I, re- I would be remiss not to, to mention this because my grandma, like I said, growing up in her household, we went to church. You know what I mean? She taught me about believing in God, having faith, you know, and, and that's honestly what I hung my hat on when I had so many naysayers and detractors and uh, doubters that said, and even the, the doctors, the, the, my, my doctor that performed the surgery, he didn't even medically clear me to play in the game. I had to sign a waiver to play in the Super Bowl. So, so yeah, exactly. It would have been a liability. He didn't even believe what he had seen within those six and a half weeks right. leading up to the Super so Bowl. So break that down, not to cut you off. So, so you broke your leg at what point? So came back and so, how bad was the break? What happened? So mid-December, like early to mid-December, we had two or three games left to go in the season. Um, I, caught a, I caught a route, and I was getting ready to go around the defense, and Roy grabbed me by my shoulder, pulled me down. And when I, when I went down, I heard a pop. Like, I heard a pop. Roy Williams? Yeah, Roy Williams. He was a, yeah, uh, he was a safe like, for the Cowboys at the time I was with the Eagles. And so when I went down, I heard a loud pop. I said, Shh. When I laid down, I'm like, oh, shit, I was like, I broke my ankle. That's, that's, how, that's how bad it felt. So... Rick, the trainer, came out. He goes, yeah, what's wrong? What, what, what are you feeling? I said, shit, Rick. I said, I think I, bro- I broke my ankle. And then, so he started doing some little tests, this and that and the other. And so he's like, he signaled to the tunnel for the car. Yeah. I said, no, nah, I'm not going. I'm not hitting That's just that, that mentality, that toughness that I had. I'm not, I said, I'm not going to go off on no cart. So literally, I walked all the way to the side. They helped me to the guys helped me to the sideline. Then I walked to, walked to the tunnel. And when I got in that tunnel, boy, I broke down. I was like, man, she hurt. So got an x-ray. Um, they really didn't see anything. So the next day I got an MRI. The MRI uh, was took for my ankle because that's where all the pain was. And so 
obviously the imaging, when I got there, the radiologist asked me kind of like, you know, what are you feeling? Where's the pain? So that night uh, they, I had my, my, my leg elevated all night. I slept on the couch and at night, so I had ice here, ice there, and I, it was just throbbing. It was throbbing. So I got there and I, and I was like, man, I told the trainer and the radiologist, dude, I said, I said, I was in mad pain. I said, this, I said, up, up by my knee. I said, it's hurting real bad. So he's like, all right, cool. We'll just scan the whole leg. And that's when they found out that I had fractured my fibula. And in addition to the MRI images, like, yo, they said, yo. And then uh, I had a high, severe syndesmosis sprain. So I, t- I tore all the ligaments over here. And then when they, when they went in for surgery, they found out that I had uh, snapped my deltoid ligament too. So I had a guy going in, looked at, I wanted, I probably would have had another surgery if they didn't see that. So that was part of what the pop that I heard in addition to the break at the same time, because it all kind of happened simultaneously. So I, I played with two screws at the surgery. I had two screws in a plate, um, really couldn't do anything uh, about the fracture. They just said it just had to heal. And so then, yeah. And so like I said, it was six and a half, seven weeks to the Super Bowl. So when I came back from the, uh, from, from, from uh, the doctor from Baltimore, I was in a limo. Um, and then I had an interview uh, with one of the local radio stations there, and they asked me about the surgery, how everything, went, how I felt, and then asked me, you know, do I did I think I would be ready for the Super Bowl? And I told them I was on. I said, Yo, I said if they make it to that Super Bowl, I said I'll be ready. Mm. But that was the faith that I had in myself right. and the things that have leading up to that, how I took care of my body, for because I didn't get a personal trainer until like the, after my third year. So from year four to like now, this is five years later. These are the types of things, like I said, that allow and enable me to recover as fast as I did. And I did other things, too, from microcurrent. I took supplements, obviously, for the, t- the tissue, the cartilage, things of that nature. Uh, and I slept in the hyperbaric chamber. I was doing those cutting edge things before people even knew about it. But I had the team of people who I trained with in, in, in the offseason because I lived in Atlanta at the time. Those are the people that, like I said, I literally had everybody live with me and stay at, stay at my house those six and a half weeks living to the, to, up to the Super Bowl. So how long were you supposed to be out? Probably three, four months, at least four months. And you came back in a month and a half? Six and a half, six, six and a half, seven weeks. weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, and like I said, the only thing that bothered me, um, because they wanted some extra protection, I didn't, I never taped my ankles probably like, uh, probably like after my probably like second or third year in the league because I would practice without tape, but then right. guys would tape on game day. So I was like, man, if I'm practicing without no tape, I can play. So I never really taped my ankles. Um, so got ready to play in the game and they wanted some extra protection for that. I tried to go out. So I did my my main little routine. So when I came through the tunnel, there was cameras everywhere. Man, I started to run. Dude, that tape was killing me. I don't really, I can't remember if I took a lap or if I got halfway. And I'm like, man, I got to go back in. Went back in. I told Rick, I said, Rick, this is too painful. He said, all right, cool. Let's cut it off. And then I went back out to work out, run, do my little routine. And then I started feeling pain up here. And that was where the break was. So when I went back in, he explained to me, he goes, yo, it's probably not fully healed yet. And he said, because of weight distribution, he said, when, you, when people don't notice, but when, they, when you walk, your bones naturally spread a little bit when you walk because of weight distribution. So he said, that where you're feeling is because you're running and that weight distribution is stressing, is stressing the break. So what we did was he rolled my stuff down. He basically got some tape and he taped it as tight as he could around the break so it wouldn't spread yeah. as much. Yeah. And so that helped. And then I took a tour of all things, some tour of all pills just to kind of minimize, you know, some that of the pain. Tour a I took that before, boy. Whew. Minimize some of the pain. Yeah. 
But I mean, you got all these tattoos and just stand there, sit nah. there for hours. So I mean, no, can... no, no, I'm talking about that. I took the tore off shot and how amazing it was. Oh, like yeah, I couldn't move my arm, and then I was playing in the playoffs. And oh yeah, the, it, an yeah, hour it, later. It, yeah, it's so you wasn't paying after the game. No, no, I really was. I wasn't. And bro, I was so focused on right. what he said. That's just the level right yeah, there. and Super I was Bowl. honestly, bro, like I said, I'm a God fearing guy, bro. You know you're gonna crash. You go, you gonna eventually come yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it, like I said, I didn't take a lot of things obviously because I felt good. You know what I mean? Um, I literally I trusted the rehab. We went to an aggressive rehab. Soon as I got back from Baltimore, I thought I'm like, okay, them just they gonna let me rest up for maybe a few days, week. Bro, the next day we went to rehab, and they had the confidence that I could do it. Because they had seen me work. They had seen me practice. They saw me on an everyday basis. They saw what I brought to the team. You know what I mean? That energy. And he was just like, and why my approach to the game every day. So they's like, yo, we're going to attack this. Like, you with us? We, he said, we we with you. I'm with you. You a G. You a G. I broke my soul. I damn it cut my foot off at the area. What was it like? What was it like playing for the best team ever in the NFL history? Cut Dallas County. Oh, man. <laughs> but that's, yeah, it was uh, it was good, man. Uh, again, like I said, things didn't, didn't go well in in, uh, in Philly uh, for obvious reasons. And I had an opportunity. I was like, I was a free agent. Uh, Jerry felt like I was one of those guys that, like I said, um, like I said, he had had a guy in Michael Irvin uh, who had a colorful personality, what have you. Obviously, that was the stigma. The thing about me uh, is that you know I was that guy. But again. My play, like I said, they couldn't deny that. And so I brought that to uh, to the Cowboys. And again, I balled out, you know, for three years with them. So again, it was like, you know, I never really envisioned uh, playing for them. Like I said, obviously when I was in San Francisco, I ended up, I stood on the star uh, that day. So yeah. a lot of people, a lot of a lot of the Cowboys, they didn't like appreciated it. appreciated that. Yeah, but then once I saw, they saw me on the field and I'm winning games for them. It was cool. Hey, yeah, exactly. The Lord, he, he did that old uh, Roy tried to take your head off. <laughs> Are you ready? When you went to the store, I think school. Oh, that was George T. Oh, that was George that was, T. Yeah, yeah, George yeah, that was George T. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like I said, man, it was it was an opportunity. Uh, again, like I said, I took full advantage of. And I think, like I said, with my career, bro, like you can't deny, like I said, when I talk about desire, dedication, and discipline, bro, I took it everywhere that I went, bro. I, I, I live by that, bro. It's like, you know, and I didn't really think about it at that time, but the things that made me into a receiver, I brought that same package, even though the, the, the package on the outside, the wrapping was different. What was on the inside, yeah, the, what was on the inside never changed. So I brought that. You know what I mean? When people talk about complete receiver, that's why I say that I'm two behind Jerry. Because, like I said, we, me and Randy, we've talked about it. Like, he played when he wanted to. You know what I mean? He did certain things. But again, like I said, it's like, okay, who do you want? You know what I mean? I had most disrespectful games against <laughs> us was you and Randy. <laughs> Y'all destroyed us. Hey, like I said, that's why we that's why we 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 mentioned top three. But best of the best for what we did. You got a relationship with Jerry? No, not really. No, I'm dealing. No, I mean, he 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 backdoored me uh after I had signed a uh a that deal. Crazy one right there. Two thousand nine. Jerry Jones? No, that would be a crazy one. Oh yeah, oh, yo. That would oh six to oh uh-huh. nine. I had but it was my three years. After that third year. Jerry called me going into the offseason, extending my contract. I had a four-year, $25 million deal. And then two months after that, he flew to Florida. Him and Stephen Jones and my agent, um, they had some owner's meeting or whatever. They called my agent. He called me like, yo, he want to meet with us. I'm thinking it's like this is the year right before they played in the new stadium. Mm-hmm. So right after, after the season, 
Uh, he had already asked me, like, what do we need to get over the hump? What do we, what do we need to do to compete for a championship? You know, I, me, like, you know, him calling me, I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm he looking at me as a veteran, you know, a pulse of what we can do offensively. So I told him that. And then, uh, like I said, fast forward a couple of months later, he invites us to Fort Lauderdale. We go into uh, some hotel. We went in the back. Uh, it was dark. The restaurant was closed. Uh, we were sitting at this table. It was a cloth on the table. And so it was Jerry, Steven, and then my two agents. And so he started rambling, just talking about, you know, the organization, things of that nature. Um, then he was mentioning something about me. And then as he was doing it, every time that he mentioned something about the Dallas Cowboys, you know, he would put something about Dallas Cowboys over here. When he mentioned something about me, he would put T.O. over here, Dallas Cowboys over here. He was mentioning all these things of, you know, the approach and this, and that, and the other, what I brought to the team. And then he had a pen writing all this. And then in between all this writing, he did a line. And he said, we got to part ways. Bro, I was, I looked around. I'm like, my agent looking at me. I'm looking at him like, what's going on? And then Drew, I think I recall Drew saying, are you, are, are you serious? Like, what do you mean? But that's, that's how, that's how I was cut from, from, from the Cowboys. Think he borderline? I don't know. I don't know what borderline what. I just, I didn't want it. I, 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 I was hoping you'd figure it out. That I had to say the other one. You think borderline race? I I don't. I mean, I think everybody can speculate. Yeah, the lawsuit against them. Yeah, bills. Yeah, saying right again. You can yeah. speculate that, or like you said, you know, you can articulate things to make you think certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there has been instances where if there was. Or if you think that he was racist, he could have come his out. mouth because it came out of his mouth. Right. He could have come out and said certain things. You know, there's things that have happened since the George Ford yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, where again, he told, you know, some of his players, if you do this, you're not gonna be on the team. Yeah. You know, when guys wanted to kind of be in solidarity with yeah. the with the cause, yeah. and he prevented them from doing that. Yep. He suppressed them. Yeah. You know what I mean, you know, what I mean, they didn't have a voice when they wanted to have a voice. Yeah. So again, could he be? Yeah. Just because you do some, some some great things or you do some stuff for some people that have played you and played for you and won you some championship, that doesn't make you not a racist. I don't, but he hasn't really done anything for them. They earned that money. I, I get it. But like, there are going to be some players. Yeah. There are going to be players that obviously that are going to be advocates for him because yeah. of what they what they yeah. what he's done yeah. for them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Boy. Yeah. You think about the Michael Irvins, the Emmitt Smiths, and guys like that that they're going to stand on his stand on his back because of. He's probably helped them out in certain situations. You know he, helped, he helped them out. Right. You know what I mean? So and he again, helped them out. So again, so yeah, I, I would I would I would probably lean more to say that he is mm-hmm. than he's not. Yeah. Facts. Right. Mm-hmm. You were in a time where social media, well, when you were at your greatest, didn't really exist. Uh if they did, some of your celebrations obviously would have been viral. <laughs> Where to go yeah. through some of your celebrations right, right, right now, right. and just what was going through your mind when it happened? And we'll start with the one that, that Jack liked the most when you had the touchdown and I you not stood, like that one. <laughs> sprinted from one side, and stood on the star in 2000 against the Cowboys. Oh, you know, be your mind right there. Uh, we travel. Did you do it twice? Yeah, I did it twice. So we travel <laughs> the day before the game to go in. You know, you go through walkthroughs, you go through the plays before the day of the game, and you know. For 40, for 30, 40 minute workout, you know, just walk through the plays. And then, so before we get back on the bus, we all, you know, whatever group you're in, receivers, running backs over here, everybody gets in the group. And we just happen to be in the middle of the star. 
we didn't, I didn't think anything of it. So my coach, like I said, he knew that I'm, I'm one of the guys, like I, the offense kind of goes through me. Like if I go to offense goes. So, you know, this is at a, at a time like, okay, I, I know I'm that guy. And so I knew I was going to score, you know, at some point. And so, you know, the, we was at Dallas, uh, t- the Texas Stadium with the hole in the room yeah. at that time. And so, you know, obviously that, the, I guess the story behind the hole in the room. Yeah. The, no, it's in, uh, it's in Dallas. It was in Dallas. Yeah. The, the hole in the room is because God can look down on America's team. So he basically told me, hey, and it was a rivalry. Like I said, everybody's today, yeah. the coaches know it, and everybody, it's, it's we, we got to mm-hmm. be it's Dallas. Fu- it's fucked the Cowboys it's, from our side. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's, it's in the conference, too. It's the NFC East. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's like, yo, tomorrow. So yeah, look at Jack. Jack ain't liking it. So it's like, uh, so it's like, you know, he's like, yo, T, show him who, who you know, who guy going to be looking down on tomorrow. Not just America's team. Like, hey, you you one of God's child's kids, too. So that's what I did. That's what it was. No disrespect right. toward them. You, you know, I'm just giving, yeah, giving homage, you know, me to, to the, the guy that wakes me up every day that I pray right. to. Right. You know yeah. Right. So that's what I did. So when you look at the actual clip, I went straight there. That's all I did. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I wasn't looking at them. No, nothing. I looked straight up. I didn't know. Like I said, dude was burrowing down on me. And then he hit me. And then, like, you know, people, they exaggerate things. They're like, oh, he knocked you. He clocked right. you. I'm like, bro, he, he whiffed, he whiffed me. Yeah. And then even with that, bro, I've taken hits yeah. harder than that during the game. From his grandma. Yeah, that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I did it. You know what I mean? And then, uh, so after that, you know, my coach didn't say anything. Head coach didn't say anything about it. No, nothing. This is why I don't really deal with Coach Mariucci because he, he didn't even have my back even after this game. So I, I did it the second time. That's when Emma Smith, well, Emma Smith did it after I did it. And then the second time I did it, you know, it was obviously kind of in retaliation um, because they couldn't stop me. Mm-hmm. So after that, you know, I also go back. The games that we won, and then Mariucci suspended me. Like I, during that week, he he, he came and uh, he broke to you. He suspended me. The league didn't suspend me nothing. It was so media, so much media and hype. Like you said, it would have gone viral. Mm-hmm. It would be crazy. So the league didn't suspend me. He was so pressured from the outside that he felt like he needed to do so. It's almost like the the hit on on uh, Travis with it with the guy the the the, 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 the Blackburn. Blackburn. right Blackburn. you know what I mean it was so much heat talking about Henry Blackburn like his coach was, felt pressure he would have suspended him mm-hmm. that's what my coach did to me he didn't have to okay. but that let me know that he didn't have my back and our our relationship it went down the drain after that popcorn it was impromptu I didn't I scored the touchdown and the dude was in the back of the end zone with the popcorn thing. So I just got it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was hungry, that. Jack, you know what I mean? I was served, I was served, you know what I mean? I was I just, hungry, I was Jack. hungry, Jack, you know what I mean? I, you know what I mean? I was, was putting a, a snack. Yeah, when you when you when I go to the movies, that's my excuse to eat popcorn because I'm it's entertainment. Yeah. I realized at this point in time, like, bro, I'm putting on a show. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's not only just me playing, and I'm I'm doing what I need to do for person goals, team goals, but I'm starting to realize now, like, bro. People would come to see 81. Yeah. Brand. You know what I mean? Then I started like it was on ESPN, like, da da da. Like, what is he going to do next? So I started to try to do things to kind of one up myself. So everything is not calculated. Right. Like, with that, it was just impromptu. Like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't prop him back there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Position him back there with the popcorn. I'm like, shit, let's get it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that sharp in your sock, though. Yeah. That, was, that was play. That was sick. That was, that was that sick. Was, yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that was, uh, that was sick. Yeah. It was just impromptu, bro. I that's just, just, but that's the feeling of going to a game 
Let me worry about what I would do because I know I'm a score. Yeah, yeah, so like, let me yeah. figure out what I would do when I get there. And then at that time, going against a guy like Sean Springs, like again, Ohio State, uh, me, UT Chattanooga. You look at that measure, like who's gonna get the best who? Like, you know, it's it's the players to watch, you know what I mean, for the week. So I figured, oh, hey, let me let me do what I do. It's you know what I mean? So that's what I did. I scored and then like I said, I signed the thing. Like I said, it's, I just I didn't even really think too much about it. It was like during right before the series, I asked the uh, trainer, you know, for for Sharpie. <laughs> and he was like, he thought I was gonna mark out something, give it back to you. I was like, you good. He didn't know. I just put it in my sock and then the next series. I go out, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Pom-poms with the cheerleaders. Uh, again, Spur it was just moment. spur of the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Head prompt too. Mm-hmm. I scored, I dragged dude into the end zone. You know what I mean? So it's, I'm like, I didn't have nothing planned. So I just saw those cheerleaders. I'm like, hey, let me just get in on this. Quick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so again, <laughs> y'all, that's just, that's just me. Like I said, just, just Is there any celebrations you thought about doing, but then reconsider? No, man. Like I did a number of things, bro. Then, like I said, even with, me starting to b- become so popular with the, the touchdown celebrations, mm-hmm. then the NFL started to intervene, like telling us what we couldn't do yeah. and things yeah. of that nature. Uh, like, and then Chad, on my, my, my homie, Ocho Cinco, he was in Cincinnati doing his thing. And then it was just like, it became a competition. I didn't really know Chad at that time. Okay. So it became a competition. Like, oh, who was going to one up each other? But, but I just did it for creativity. And at the same time, it was motivation for me to get into the end zone. Because I know if I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm scoring, we got we, we we can win, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. So that's that's how that's how that's how I would use my that, that added motivation. Like I said, we all are required to do something to better our skill set, to better our you know to help better personally and then as a player. But you know, for me, I just knew that I'm like, okay, if I get my hands on the ball, and the more times I'm more involved and I'm in that end zone, it increases our chance of winning. Max, remember the NBA crackdown on our uh, pregame. Oh man, so bam, let me go ahead and break it down for a lot of people that don't know. Free game, what? So bam, so I just, you know, had a little incident in Indiana where I, where I, I was shot at the strip club. I burnt out when he got hit, you know, by a car and all that. So bam, I get suspended seven games as soon as I get traded to Golden State. Okay. So my burnout teammate right here will come up with a handshake <laughs> where I slap everybody, and when I get to him, I put my hands up and he pat me down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> he's surging, dog. Hey, we did that shit like two or three times. They stirred. No, they stirred. Call like hell, no. We ain't gonna be doing that. Dallas playoff. <laughs> wow. But go get suspended. You go one more time. Well, what the suspended? But he's always a He looking for a reason to spin me anyway. Damn, I got mad a bad name already. Just got on the team. Right. But if you think about it, the opposite of like, yo, you're not really doing anything wrong. You're having fun. Yeah. You just just laughing at. You're making light of a bad situation. You know what I mean? Like, okay, you you came out of it. You know what I mean? Because it could have been a problem. You you didn't. You know what I mean? It was almost a point. You wouldn't even be there to be doing that. You know what I mean? All right. Quick hitters. First thing to come to mind. Let us know. Top five receivers in the NFL today. Oh, today. Matt would be a top five receiver if he played. Over it. I don't know. Oh, hey, nice. Uh, t- today, I would say you got to say uh, Jefferson. Uh, what's the guy in uh, Cincinnati Bengals? Chase. Uh, Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's that? Tyreek. Oh, yeah, definitely Tyreek Hill. And that's uh, no, four. And I say, uh, I- I'm going to put my guy DK Metcalf in there. Mm, yeah. I'm gonna put my, my D, D, but obviously, yeah, you look at, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prototype, you know what I mean? Prototype. Uh, what you think about the get in the Jets? Garrett's whistle. Garrett Wilson. Right. I mean, it's early. You know what I mean? But he gonna be something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at the look at the play that he made the other night. Like, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you think about it, they caught it, they could have easily lost that game. Yeah, we're gonna praise Zach Wilson for winning. And then obviously the walk off what is a kick return, a punt yeah. return. Tip it but, to yourself. But but again, that was a difficult catch. He, he didn't have to himself, right. Bro. He had to go across his body to make that happen. If you think about it, that's not an accurate throw. Nah. He made the quarterback look good in that situation. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So to do that, then Gain control, body control, catch it, and they needed that, you know, based on the on the heels of what had transpired. Like I said, with Aaron going down, mm-hmm. and, you know, and four plays in, that that city needed that at that time. Right. So again, like I said, Garrett, well, he's on his way. Yeah. But again, you can't, like I said, you can't like great recognition. But it's like a lot of guys, even with OBJ, that's my guy. A lot of people are like, yeah, he's progressively like he was trending, yeah, to be one of those guys. But then injuries played yeah. it a little bit. So yeah. again. Mike Evans, ah, I mean, but again, it's one of those, he's quiet, one of those quiet guys. He's massing the numbers. Uh, even Chris Godwin over there, he's good as well. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But you think the guys are like really making noise, you know what I mean? That's really standing out, that's trending. Where's Dez in your top 10? Who's that? Dez. Dez Bryant? I don't know. In the top 10, I don't know if he's in the top 10. Top 15? I have to see. Another top 15 receiver. I have, to, I have to see. I, bro, it's a lot of receivers. I mean, it's Dez something Bryant. I didn't. He, this is I mean, I mean uh, not Des Bryant. Um, I'm, I'm, I said Des Bryant. I'm thinking uh, CeeDee Lamb, excuse me. Oh, CeeDee Lamb. He's on his way. He's trending. He's, I mean, he, he's at the trajectory is there. Yeah, but, but, hey, but again, my thing with those guys, like to be a number one, you got to be a game changer. You got to be a playmaker. Not just a playmaker. You got to be a game changer. If you're not that for your team, in that game-changing situation, these years that they've been on the cusp of making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, he has to be that guy. When their running game wasn't where it was, you got to be that guy to change the game that they can go to like, yo, I can make a play. I can turn something into nothing. Granted, he has the skills and ability to do what he's doing, but do you see him as a game-changer right. type right. of play? play? He showed me that yet. You, you get what I'm saying? Like I said, it's, it's one thing to you know, talk about being a number one but what is being number one receiver mean? Like you gotta be that, like, that. yeah, you gotta be that dog. You know what I mean? Like coach dialing up plays. I when I didn't know this until I started to become who I became with, you know, underneath behind Jerry. Like they had a game plan, our regular game plan. They had game plans where they had Jerry plays, where they know like in certain situations down to this, we go into him in this play, bro. They start doing that for me, bro. When they got rid of him. For me to feel his shoe, bro, I knew I was, I was, at that point, I knew. You're right. Yep. It wasn't the, the saying I'm him. I don't really want to say I'm here, but I was that guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because like I said, I feel some shoes. Everybody, like for, for the number of years that he played there, yeah. and they, again, they drafted JJ to do what I eventually end up doing. But I learned a lot, not only from JJ and Jerry, but I, I learned a lot from everybody that came, every receiver that came in there. Because it was something special about him. That's what made me want to be like, man, how can I get, you know, little this little wiggle to my game, get, you know, get away the escapability. I had to, I had the physical part, I had to add some of the finesse part to the game. Then I just it just started just building every year. Then I started doing what the smaller guys do, making guys miss, catching out on them. That's what made me me. You think all teams need to be playing on grass? Uh, I mean they're 
they all have their advantages and disadvantages. Of course, like I said, you know, for running backs or like I said, receivers, we feel like sometimes playing on turf makes you faster. You know what I mean? But I understand the safety part of it as well. You know, turf doesn't give like grass. You know what I mean? So there are some injuries that probably, not probably, that would have been prevented had they been played on grass as opposed to uh, the turf. So, you know, like I said, it's, up for players, like I said, we can say what we want, voice our opinion, what we need, but it's ultimately up to the league to 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 do what they need to do to make. Yeah, if you want to talk about player safety, just you know, all all across the board. Soundtrack to your life, three songs. Oh man, that's crazy. <laughs> Soundtrack, man, y'all threw me one on here, boy. Songs or artists, either one. Ah, uh, artists, man, I like uh. I like two chains, like some of his stuff. Uh, 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 Tupac, of course, and uh, yeah, Tupac. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get throw Biggie in there too, man. If you look at it, I you wrong. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Right yeah, any of those right there. Yeah. If I can find a soundtrack in some of those songs, you know, right. some of those artists to 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 go with me. You know what I mean? If you could. Leg up with one QB, what would it be during your career? Yeah. Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Joe Montana. Montana. I just, like I said, I just, I, you look at the production that Jerry Rice had with Joe. Look at his production that he had with Steve. It's, it's crazy. I mean, he didn't have a drop-off really in quarterback. One was right-handed, one was left-handed. was nice. You know what I mean? Both of them nice. Both of them are Hall of Famers. I seen what Randy did with T. Brady. I would love to see. That's what I'm saying, bro. Exactly. Like again, I honestly I had to tailor my game to obviously to Jeff Garcia's game. Our offense tailored to Jeff Garcia's game because he wasn't those typical prototypical quarterbacks that we were mentioning. They weren't. He wasn't a stand in the pocket presence, big arm, can make every throw from from either side of the field, but Again, we made it work, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? And I had to make it work, you know what I mean? Because those are, like I said, a lot of quarterbacks, like I said, you know, I know they probably wouldn't have the career. I know I wouldn't have the career that I had, you know what I mean? And I masked the numbers that I did without a quarterback. But equally, they got to say, too, that they, you know, if I had, they didn't have me, so they, they wouldn't be able to do, you know, the things that they did as right. well. No five Denegas, dead or alive? You plus five. Oh, I'm gonna go. I go. Uh, Martin Luther King, uh, Obama. I go Jordan. Uh, uh I I go I go Oprah, and uh, I guess about like Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, you know, somebody you know that's that's monster. Yeah. Legend. Yeah. Who would you like to see on All the Smoke? But before you answer that question, you have to help us get your answer on the show. <laughs> Whoa, I ain't missed I ain't missed the beat. Huh? I'm right back, I'm right back to All it. the Smoke. It's definitely a gimmick to it. Oh, yeah. wow. Wow. Who would I like to have on All the Smoke? You remember, you got to help us. <laughs> you know a lot of folk. Oh, man. That's crazy. My, the first person that came to my mind was MJ. But yeah. to get him in here in this seat, you know what I mean? You guys got Kobe in here. 
You know what I mean? I, I mean that's I did I didn't text MJ and any other text he can get to remind him that I text him to come on the show would be beneficial. Okay. No, no, I I got a direct line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Just tell him to check the, my message. Okay, I got <laughs> and that's all I need you to do. I, 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 I got a direct I got I got a direct line. Now. Well yeah. T man, we appreciate yeah. you. Best of luck with everything. Congratulations, my boy. This was over long overdue. Yeah. Oh man, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man, yeah. Alex. I didn't know if it was just gonna be about this, but I, I appreciate uh, you incorporating. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. 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 It's good, man. I mean, it came around. You know, I didn't really know how I wanted to go about it, but I know right. I wanted to respond, yeah. and I needed a platform where, like I said, nobody's not gonna judge me. Then it go cut up nothing. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So people can fly. hear my voice. You know what I mean? We just hope. No, coming from me and Jack. That's y'all boy though. I mean, that's that's but y'all. You want boy too? But that's y'all boy. But y'all got more love. I didn't hung with you. Me and him ain't never hung out. Yeah, but I, I get <laughs> me that. Me and you I, actually hung out. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I just say from a standpoint, I and, and I'm the first one. Of, I don't do disrespect. That's no, the only yeah, only yeah, thing I've been in my life come from disrespect. So I get what you're saying, but I just think at this point, man. But it's for me, bro. It's just like the damage has been I done, do. bro. Like like people now, like I said, from going forward, like I said, you talking about gyms. Nothing called you players, coaches. Yeah. Like what? What does that mean? Right. Like what are you implying? Like what is that supposed to mean? But he's like I said, millions of people are hearing him say this. Mm -hmm. Like there are businesses. There come there. They're hearing him say this. Like right. trying to demean my right. Guy. He's yeah. yeah he's it's messing like he's going out his way right to do it now. right. Yeah. And then and I want to add this too, please. But the fact that he says I don't have no money, I don't. I'm broke. This and that and the other. That that further makes me want to kick his ass. Because if I kick his ass, you ain't got nothing to get. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Since I ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to get. You can't sue me. So, oh, shit. all the little slick yeah. words that, you know, I feel it. That you know, how you want to come about it. If that's the case and you want to insinuate to America what you think you know about me, like again, what you said about me and what you thought you said you're going to expose me for. Bro, it's public knowledge. How about this, man? Y'all reach uh, out to me and Matt. Yeah, let us meet. Give, yeah. give us the bag, and we'll get them in the ring. Make sure they get a bag, <laughs> and then it'll be over after that. You and know I'm what saying, and I'm I'm telling you right now, I'm signing up. I'm gonna. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm signing. I'm, 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 I'm signing up, bro. Because, bro, I'm signing. Bro, I'm signing up. Hey, right here. Wait, we promote this fight right uh, now. Bro, I'm telling no. you. I already know. I'm, I'm telling Stephen A. not to sign up, bro. Okay. I already know. Okay. I already know. know to yourself. But I know he's gonna try to take the high room. Like, oh no, nah, I'm, I'm bigger than this. I'm, I'm, Plus, we all seen him go viral for his boxing. But it don't matter. We don't. We don't. I want to see it. No, I know. I'm going around talking to like. I feel what you say, though. Right. The disrespect keep that same energy. Right. But you going around? You looking to the camera? Talking about you this and you ain't scared of nobody, bro. I'm not scared of nobody either. Yeah, we promote, say, bro, I'm, I'm, promote. I'm telling you, and he bro. took his glasses yes. off. Hey Look man, that's a wrap. To one of the greatest to ever do it. You can catch us on Showtime Basketball YouTube in the iHeart platform, Black Effects. See y'all next week. At Bed 365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. 
Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 